Fresh off the heels of yet another Golden Globes with our organized mayhem, I guess, as it always is at this point in the award season with the HFPA having their say about what happens in all of Hollywood and setting the Oscars table as much as it does. This is another episode of Mike, Mike and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. So we're actually really happy about some things which is a some things it's it's very <laughs> conflicting right these mm-hmm. are conflicting feelings like a lot of you know nominees that we were rooting for won. Mm-hmm. i think we got a lot to say about our predictions in this episode but yes. Mike, also also this is a terrible terrible group of people picking these winners <laughs> so what does that mean so this is like the culmination of my serena williams ability to backhand and compliment mm-hmm. well not that she's a backhanded compliment she's got the greatest backhand in the history of tennis what mm-hmm. i mean is i'm great at backhand compliments yes which is probably really bad for this business probably doesn't really fit because <laughs> everybody's so classy lee isaac chung they're a very classy very classy ways to you know criticize and you know celebrate shame and yes. i do none of this uh especially when we when it comes to twitter so now we're in a position here today where uh, we're very happy with some winners, and we're very mad at the people who chose those winners. Yeah, and uh, rightfully so. As if you listen to us leading up to the Golden Globes all this week, there was that huge scandal uh, involving the HFPA, and uh, kind of the one of the headlines from the scandal, and and maybe the biggest one for us that we've concentrated on was the lack of any black representation within the Hollywood Foreign Press Association since at least 2002 was the way it was phrased. So they haven't had a black member uh, helping pick their winners since uh, about two decades now. That came to a head. That was exposed this week. And we were wondering how the Golden Globes show would handle that, how they would address the controversy, how if NBC would have anything to say. So as much as we were happy for what went on in the show, I don't think we were happy with how this controversy was handled head on by these organizations. We had a pre-show, several pre-shows, to, uh, basically teasing us throughout these shows on, on E! or uh, on NBC there, telling us that they're going to address this during the yeah. show. and. It, it's going to be, I mean, we can't wait to hear what they have right. to say because it's this important. And the hosts were doing, again, a classy job of kind of foreshadowing what was about to happen. And you and I were texting and we're like, they're, I mean, I was like, there's no way they're going to do a mea culpa for 15 minutes, even though that's what they should do. They should right. literally flog themselves up and right. down because this is, like you've said over the past few episodes, this is so absurd and it's inexcusable. Such, an indication of systematic racism here that it it blows our mind, especially it's, it's extra belligerent Mike, because we've had these last four years and especially this last year, but these last four years since 2015 Oscars, so white since all of the inclusion and representation initiatives, since BAFTA's so white Mm -hmm. since the reckoning we've had in this country with police brutality and, and systematic racism, what are they doing over there it's belligerent it's willful it's all those terrible adjectives it's basically 
if you're in the awards business in 2021, you can't be a major precursor award show and not see what's going on with the BAFTAs and the Oscars and all the inclusion initiatives that are going on, unless you're just throwing your closing your eyes and throwing your hands over your ears and going, la, 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 I can't hear you. And that's basically what the HFPA admitted they were doing. And they came out and they made some statements prior to the show and the statements I thought were weak. And starting with the pre-show, with the red carpet stuff, you already touched on. We talked. I had to turn it off at some point. I was so yes, the hosts were doing a, a fine job, and they were they were being very elegant about it, and they were they were teasing that something was going to happen during the show. But you could tell when Oscar So White happened, mm-hmm. the red carpet. Every person that was interviewed and questioned was asked about the Oscar So White and the inclusion initiative and representation right. and equality. This red carpet show, I was expecting more of the same. And I was I, I was hearing about TikTok dances. I had multiple segments on fashion, even though people were zoomed in from their home. This wasn't talked about at all. I don't know if it's a lack of interest. On uh, Maybe NBC doesn't think lay people who watch the Gold Globes care that much as opposed to for equality, as opposed to when they watch the Oscars. I don't know what the reasoning was, but I feel like this was not talked about at all. And worse... Like, like God bless Jane Levy and whichever fanning sister this was, but like they had this Oscars table segment where the two of them were talking in a Zoom call to each other. The only representation I felt there was, was Laverne Cox, who was interviewed twice. They couldn't find anybody else to talk. Yeah. I love Laverne Cox. She's elegant. She's great. She should be speaking about this, but they, she was the only person of color they could find. And if I'm not mistaken, that was almost 40 minutes into the broadcast, 30 minutes into that broadcast. Something like that. We had the pre-pre-show on E!, which was fun. And and, and and again, they were addressing it, and then we had representation in that show. And then for the first 30, 35 minutes... It's all white interviews. And yeah. God, God bless these actors. We want. I loved hearing from Kate, Carrie Mulligan and uh, Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk there. I loved it. But at the, at the same time, you're exactly right in the sense that the mea culpa of the Me Too movement at the Golden Globes a few years ago was everybody dressing in black and talking about this issue right. on the red carpet and Oscar so white in 2015, it was a mea culpa of the industry at large. It was on everybody's lips. It was, it was being spoken in, into uh, every microphone during that process. And, and this did not have a chance to do so. And I don't know if it was belligerence. I don't know if it was just uh, them wanting to sugarcoat everything. I don't know if it was just them saying, all right, nobody's going to watch this if we're just, if we're talking about this subject the whole time, even though then again, everybody watched the red carpet, couple, you know, these in these two other situations well, and it, it where, where be, they were talking about it the whole time. It had to be an edict from on high because NBC, who I thought had to say something, said nothing directly. Right. The Golden Globes themselves, the HFPA themselves, in addressing it within the show, we had Ali Saar, Mahar Tatna, and yeah. Helen Harner, and I apologize if I mispronounced any of those names. Uh, those are board members of the HFPA, one's the president, one's the head of the board, et cetera, et cetera. They came out to actually address this issue head on, and this was the, the moment that we were all hyped to in the pre-shows. They were out there for maybe 45 seconds. Yeah. 
I mean, it was fit. It was. It reminded me of, of when you're listening to a baseball game on the radio and you pause for 10 seconds for station identification. It was something they slipped in right before the commercial break. Throughout the entire program, they had these moments, if you didn't see it, that I thought was kind of cool, where they had all the nominees, the five nominees for whatever category was coming up after the commercial break, were all on the same Zoom call talking to each other. Sure. But that was what led into the commercial. That was the exact same vibe I got from the HFPA addressing this big scandal and this big issue with racism and inequality head on. It was that same vibe. It's this cutesy little, let's say something and give it to the audience and go right into the commercial break and we can forget it ever happened. It, this was obscene how badly this was handled. Uh, I can't agree more. I think that people during the broadcast, whether they were winners or hosts or tributees, I think we're going to get into those next, Mike. They addressed this issue more than the people who should have taken at least yes. more than 40 seconds to address the issues. You know, the 30-second PSA is is absurd. And again, if you're trying to change people's minds that you're not a racist organization, this <laughs> is people finding this out via a lawsuit and we're not really this group of journalists who are paid off and bought off and we're not these people clinging to power and clinging to all of these perks and we're actually working out of uh french right. mcdonald's and feel bad for us <laughs> and we're actually really poor and, and 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 we're actually just visiting every set i mean we've been we've been reading this in the trades for a while about th this this hfpa perception Casting doubt on the LA Times article, and 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 I'm not I'm not saying I, I love the people who wrote these, you know, uh, treatises and, on on the trades, and and they were crushing the HFPA mm -hmm. throughout. But there's also these, you know, there's defense, and I thought that joke about the French McDonald's was this like slight defense of the HFPA. I mean, actually, they're they're just struggling journalists and and. And they, you know, they just didn't happen to ha have anybody on the roster right now that was black. And again, it's just so absurd to me that you have eighty, a group of eighty-seven people, and there, <laughs> there are no black people. It's just absurd. And, and it, it, let's say if it's an if it's an argument that they want to make that they just didn't have ap applicants that were quote unquote qualified. Well, that is an even bigger problem. Yeah, of no systemic shit. racism. <laughs> No shit. No shit it is. Oh. I mean, I, but look, and it shouldn't be on Tina Fey and Amy Poehler to be the ones speaking on. Like, Chris Rock is a unique, right. I think, he, I think Chris Rock was the perfect host for that time to address the Oscars. But it shouldn't be on the presenters. It shouldn't be on Sterling K. Brown to say it's great to be black at the gold. It shouldn't be, like, I shouldn't care more about global warming because Mark Ruffalo gave a two-minute acceptance speech for a TV movie than I do about equality in the HFPA because the chairman of the board there and the HFPA president couldn't be bothered to speak literally a minute combined about what's going on. Like, it, it's just so absurd. I cannot imagine being a, a person of color, a black man or woman that covers award shows and covers movies having watched this last night. I, 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 I would... I can't imagine how offended I would be. I don't even have the words. I, I, I could, it's so bungled. Is it doesn't even do justice to what happened last night. It's just 
horrible. But I, I think as far as what Tina and Amy said, yeah, you're right. I mean, they were making jokes about it. I thought they handled the intro uh, very well. I thought everyone who did pass comments on the diversity issue, and you had the Dan Levy's, uh, you had Jane Fonda, who was amazing. You had Sterling K. Brown and Susan Kaliki Watson. They, they were great. I, the, people did a gr- good enough job of making the point throughout the night, even though I think it should have been more prevalent, even though it's not their burden to do so, <laughs> if that makes sense. And, and, and you, you hit it on the head at the end there. It's not their job to, you know, get on these people that are giving them awards, mm-hmm. awards that change their careers for the better. It's not their job uh, to, to just be nasty to people that are, are giving them work and it's, and giving them this platform. And that that's the frustrating thing about the, the most frustrating thing about all of this. I mean, we have, we have, have had a reckoning over the last five years, like we said, but the fact that this show is the hallmark, this pillar of Hollywood, and they are very clearly perceived to be racist at this point are they racist at this point is a bigger question it's a loaded question what is going on here is this just belligerent uh, belligerence is this just people clinging to money i mean i you know i could try and rationalize for them i really could try and i, I have i've read some journalists trying to defend them a little bit about the the trips and the schmoozing and whatnot and again maybe that's valid and i respect the people who wrote that so maybe that is valid but if you're dealing with a perception problem, mm-hmm. you can't just put the black award winners up top of your broadcast. And the big picture did a big thing about this. And they're skeptical of how these awards were laid out. You know, you have John Boyega, Daniel Kaluuya, and Soul winning in three of the first of four awards. And that's that's great. We're rooting for those guys. I picked all three. But, yeah. I'm, you know, the fact that, again, it's an optics issue. And it's very transparent and obvious that they're that they're doing something here. And I I don't know. And to me, it's a lot of gymnastics here to be perceived in a better light when they're not really doing the work at all. And that's why I think, you know, we're going to talk about Jane Fonda in a minute, but the THR article from uh, Rebecca's son this morning, I thought said it best. And yes, she talked about and wrote about at length about the diverse set of winners and some historic wins on the night, including and especially Chloe Zhao. We love some of these winners. And we're, I mean, again, I've talked about silver linings of this award season. We have new blood. We have new people in the tent. We mm-hmm. have new people on the rise. It's really important and it's really exciting. And they made some great work this year. But, quote, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association made a limp cosmetic commitment to diversifying its membership on that broadcast via Rebecca Sun and THR. And I thought she hit it on the head because this is not a commitment when you yada yada in a PSA, like you said. Yeah, no, the, the we look forward to doing better is, you know, that would be barely passable if it was five years ago. Never mind in 2021, <laughs> never mind after BAFTA so white, after Oscar so white. After, it's something you no. expect in the 80s. It's something right. you expect in the 70s back exactly. when... Oh God! All right, let's get let's get to the let's finish this segment with Jane Fonda, please, and thank the, and everybody thank the Lord for her, by the way. Yeah, I, I think she's an angel, literally sent from uh, somewhere above us all, because that was one of the highlights of the night, and she was one of the award winners who did speak directly on this issue. Probably, I would say most eloquently, this was one of the best video packages and awards acceptance speeches I 
think I've ever seen on an mm-hmm. award show, and we've watched quite a few of them. But uh, Tina and Amy came out to present Jane Fonda with the annual Cecil B. DeMille Award. There was a intro package with Kerry Washington, Ted Danson, Laverne Cox, and Brie Larson talking about how much they each individually love Jane Fonda before there was that video package about Miss Fonda's legendary career. She did... Uh, she not she was very gracious she talked about the movie industry as it is she highlighted many names of current films that are up for awards uh in this and the oscars race and how uh, they impacted her life this year but as far as the controversy and speaking on it uh a couple quotes quote there's a story we've been afraid to see and hear about ourselves in this industry a story about which voices we respect and elevate and which we tune out she basically went on to make the point that we need to broaden the base of who what stories we do elevate and that doing so is only acknowledging what is fact in the world and that there are a ton of different voices out there for stories and how important storytelling is and how it's been passed down through the generations mike clarity and truth I mean, that, that's where what she weaponized in this speech and it wasn't this tone of you idiots you re-, like if we mm-hmm. were giving the speech we would be like you racist idiots should not have an award show mm-hmm. and that's what we would have said but she, this is someone <laughs> right. who's it's it's more than cl- than class it's more than that it's it's someone who's genuinely trying to help these people and 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 love this industry this industry that's given her so much in the platform that she has go watch Jane Fonda in 5 acts on HBO from 2018 go watch uh 9 to 5 the story of a movement a documentary from this year mike go watch anything about Jane Fonda's life and you guys will see not just the filmography not just that montage you're talking about but how involved she's been i mean she married Eddie Redmayne's character in the trial of the Chicago Seven, right, and that's part of what I thought made that video package of her so great is that they there was, and if you're talking about Jay Fonda, how can you not focus heavily on her activism? Yeah, and she's on been the Jane arrested. Fonda workout tapes and how that money went right back into her act. I mean, just how many times has she been arrested? Yeah. yeah, for 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 just standing up to power time mm-hmm. and time again. And if anybody has the right. To, to get after some people she would but no mm-hmm. you're right she instead she she praised all of these beautiful representative representative works and that's a good segue for us mike because i think this year does offer a lot of those works for us and we can celebrate those and we have to we have to look at these these organizations and you want you get again you wonder if it's more pandering than it should be you wonder about their motivations you wonder about the perception problem. If it, how much is it a perception problem, and how much is it real and belligerent and and and, and a nightmare? And it's just this. It's 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 not necessarily a symptom, is it though? And that's the thing is it's a, it's a root cause. No, it's not an HFPA problem specifically, even though it also is that. Because we've I been mean, wondering for it's years. It's a system problem, right? Since it's an industry started, problem. Why is why are we only you know taking the POV of the forty year old white guy in every movie? Why is this? Why is that? Everybody's irate over it, and we're we're quoting people that are more articulate than we are throughout the, these past four years, trying to trying to figure it out. And here is just this ugly revelation that when you actually think about it, this hallmark, this stalwart, this gatekeeper of our precious award season that we so love has no black members on it. And we're, and we're wondering why there's racism in the industry. I, I, I just, again, I, you know, thank God for Jane Fonda. Thank God. She 
spun that, and I hate to word, use the word spun, but she put it in such a positive... She put it in an eloquent way where she actually educated, mm-hmm. and she was clear and true in what she said. And I, I just thought, like you said, one of the best... Montage is one of the best speeches we've ever heard, and we both text. You texted me, yeah. like Jane Fonda for president, and I was literally going to text you the exact same yeah. thing while you were texting me. She and needs it, to be protected at all costs. Yeah, right. Oh <laughs> we, my God, please. Uh, so the Jane Fonda Cecil B. DeMille honor was one of the highlights of the night. Um, we're going to try to transition and speak about what happened on the award show itself. We'll start talking about some studio tallies. But look, this isn't this issue isn't going away. Mike and I talked in the pre-show. We wonder, Nebus Ben actually made this point on Twitter uh, last night to us, and it's something I've been thinking about as well. I wonder what the... the you have this issue looming over the Golden Globes now, and it's going to loom for years, yeah. as it should. I wonder what the long-term impact of that is going to be on the Globes being seen as this precursor to the Oscars road. And I I just have this gnawing idea. I can't imagine the Globes are taken as seriously, at least in the immediate future, from due to fallout from this, as far as what their wins mean to the Oscars resume of the future noms there. And they would deserve it. They would deserve everything they yeah. get to lose that... And it'd be a darn shame because they, again, they know what they're doing for the most part, even though this, look, I mean, this award show, we're going to talk about the ups and downs of it, the technical glitches, et cetera, et cetera. But they still know, they really know what they're doing at the yep. Golden Globes, at NBC. And it would be a shame if, if, if it got out of their hands. So it was, look, I mean, we reviewed the Gotham. I can't believe NBC didn't say anything. I, I'm just yeah. outraged at that. I cannot believe NBC didn't say anything. Yeah, well, th- again, NBC is tasking this non-for-profit organization to, you know, it's, I, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, and the whole job of this Golden Globes is, you know, and, and the HFPA is to the, for them to be this, essentially, it should be a watchdog organization. It's a non-for-profit. It should be something, a group of journalists that, that do the right thing. And they're, they're paid to be the arbiters, the objective arbiters of this process otherwise it would be the wild west otherwise it would be even more corrupt <laughs> than it seemingly yeah. is right so yeah the, the fact that they can't be relied upon to to handle it correctly is it, it's just i'm dismayed i know you are and you know we're two white guys you know yeah that's the other point hooky on monday afternoon right so right Look, let's let's get into some of those tallies and let's try and transition, like you said. But I'm I'm glad we addressed it again, and uh, we're gonna have to keep learning about it and and understanding it as we go forward. But Mike, on the TV side, The Crown dominated, winning all four of the categories where it was nominated because of its six noms. The Crown had two categories where it had double nominations. Otherwise, we had Shit's Creek going two for five. So the Schitt's Creek Emmy sweep did not happen here at the Globes, but still two big wins. And the Queen's Gambit, as we predicted, went two for two from Netflix. Yeah, and speaking of us predicting TV things, we're going to have to change the entire format of this podcast going forward. Also, Mike picked the TV awards perfectly, and he is a prediction maestro when it comes to uh, the awards slate lately. Every time we do a predictions episode, you end up in the 20s with things getting right, and you predicted every single TV category correctly. 
Uh, great job by you. All five of your misses were on the film side, but 20 of 25 on the night, 11 for 11 on TV predictions. Congratulations, sir. All right. Well, look, I, I got lucky. First of all, I got lucky because I loved the same show that these old white people <laughs> loved about the British royal family. And that went four for four. I loved Schitt's Creek. It just happened. And I loved the Queen's Gambit. And I just, you know, so that's an eat. Look, I picked four underdogs on the night. And they, they, yeah, I mean, seven out of 11 were favorites and then four underdogs. So I, you know, it, it was a perfect storm for me on the TV side. On the film side, like I went like nine for 14. It's not good. That's <laughs> very pedestrian. So that's, that's alarming to me. What's even more alarming, though, and we're going to get into this, is that Rosamund Pike wins and you hit that. We're going to talk about it. You hit that plus 1,400, just chef's kiss in the air. You're the man. I four won. tweets. Boom. One, two, three, four. <laughs> I am the man. You you saying on Twitter. <laughs> I want 10% from everyone who made money off of my pick and because it, I couldn't find a place to put a bet on it. for. So I'd made not a dime off you that. You didn't have a dime. But you also quote tweeted each one of these tweets. tweets. Use four quote yes. tweets in a row. Correct. Well, three, one establishing that three immediately, boom, 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 boom. So you're quoting yourself, you double press. <laughs> and I tell you, I text you, this is how petty we are. <laughs> I text you, I'm one away, I'm a Queen's Gambit away from going 11 for 11 on the TV. You, it happens, the Queen's Gambit. Nothing. You don't it tweet anything. It now, didn't register with me. It didn't register with me. I'll be honest. I'm a bad person. <laughs> well, so here it is. Here it is all night. I like. All right. Look, I don't. You know, I I don't really love like, predictions that give me anxiety, and I'm a very competitive person. On the other side, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> so you said earlier, like you know, on my behalf, and you, and you legitimately tweeted this. Say, hey, by the way, Mike is like you know, eleven for twelve overall on the night. And it was just before the t- all the TVs came in. And I did. I got off to a really good start. I just missed the original song. We'll get there. But, I, you know, I, I didn't even interpret that the right way because I was so bitter. I was like, you're just bragging about – You can't give me anything. You can't give me any credit. He's taking credit for all the tweets tonight. And then – so later on, I'm like, oh, fuck this guy. I was just going to. Also, Mike went 11 for 11 on TV. Yes. I tweeted it. Yes. You did not tweet that. I This was just. You tweeted. And I was ashamed. And I tweeted. immediately snapped at you because you immediately called me out via text. <laughs> because it was. I said to you, I don't know whether to be angry or just proud about your ego at that moment. Because I had it. You ego tweeted mode. in the third person. Hoping to fool, every, to deceive everyone well, I, I knew that exactly. I tweeted to brag about you. I knew exactly what I was doing. It was awkward. It was like three awards later. It was awkward. <laughs> Nobody even liked it. Like four people liked it. And then when it I was, questioned you on it, you snapped at me. I'm like, so this is my fault now? I immediately snapped at you. He was like, how do you not brag about me winning 11 for 11 on the TV side? You win one long shot. And you immediately four tweets. I hold the Rose Bowl parade for my one long shot. And you- you know, I, I can see. I, I should have. I honest to God, it just didn't register with me because I didn't care for the T. Like, I just didn't pay attention to TV all night because of what we do. But I should have given you more credit. I do give you all the credit. Going 11 for 11 is obviously very impressive. Good I don't even job. want your credit. Don't now. you ever tweet for me again. <laughs> 
it was just it was really funny. Like I don't know how you interpret it. But oh I was, no, I was laughing. I, I, was, I was laughing, laughing pretty hard. It yeah. was it was a goofy scenario. But yeah, no, I'm petty and uh, very competitive as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Mike, we're we're gonna get into the film side probably more as we go, and we'll probably go through the TV fast when we do get to the chronological uh, presentation here. But look, I mean, Nomadland went two for four. Borat two. Borat's subsequent movie film went two for three, and we're going to talk about the implications of that. Mm-hmm. And Soul went two for two. Yeah, and uh, on the heels of those, both film and TV uh, were, were spread around somewhat. There were some right. notable offers and one firs. Trial of Chicago Seven was one for five. Mank was zero for six. We went into the show saying, "Boy, how can Mank leave with no wins? How can Trial of Chicago Seven leave with no wins?" I, I think we should have honed in on that more because it seemed inevitable that one of those was going to have to be an O for on the night. And it did end up being Mank. Uh, the Undoing, The Father, and Promising Young Woman, uh, those all went O for four as well. The Great Ratchet and One Night in Miami were O for three. What was the studio tally on the night, Mike? So in the film side, Disney won five. Amazon. Uh, two Netflix four, excuse me, uh, WB STX and A twenty four won one apiece. Uh, in terms of the TV side, Netflix won six, Pop two, Apple, HBO, and Amazon won one apiece. And in terms of the combined studio tally wins, Netflix won ten awards overall. Disney won five, and again, Disney. I'm talking Pixar. I'm talking Searchlight. I'm talking mm-hmm. Hulu even. Uh, but Amazon won three, Pop two, Time Warner two, and Pop. The, that Shit's Creek is on Netflix right now. So Netflix... I, I wonder... I don't mean to cut you, yeah. cut you off, but I wonder mm-hmm. how much percentage-wise of Pop's total revenue has been accounted for as a result of Shit's Creek. You know, I think... Uh... I think they pro- Netflix probably paid a lot for that at this point. And then they, they paid have. a lot to keep it, yeah. And, I mean, that's a Pop original, and pop, I'm certainly the ratings and ad revenue for that Pop. I know Pop used to be, I think, the, the TV Guide Network. Well, good for them, though. Good yeah. for them. They made a great show that is won over millions of people and that is, is so impactful on, on the youth of America and on, you know, middle America. This is a huge hit in middle America. And, yeah. And, I just they they're filling out stadiums of people just paying tribute to that show and what it means and what it means for for LBGTQ rights in this country yeah. and it's just it, it's really just this wonderful thing. So uh, yeah, good, good for let's more of that, more of that kind of success. Netflix and Pop, great job. And Dan Levy was wearing Glenn Close's Oscars outfit yes, last he night. Was. And, I mean, yes, it was he, he was. was in the exact same get up it was just like restitched well All speaking right. of best actresses let's let's get into this triumvirate yes of upsets on the night michael so we know nothing about what's going on in any mm. best actress category and that seems to be one of the running themes coming out of the golden globes last night uh for lead drama best lead actress in a drama joaquin phoenix came out he presented best actress in a drama to andra day who Wow. (laughs) Um, Lead actress, comedy or musical, Ben Stiller was out. He gave lead actress in musical or comedy to Rosamund Pike, uh, proving once again that I am the smartest man ever. And Jamie Lee Curtis was out earlier in the evening giving supporting actress in a movie to Jodie Foster from the Mara Ramaman. (laughs) So we got to watch the Martanian. I loved Andre Day's performance in the United States versus Billie Holiday. I also loved the production values in that movie. I have some issues with, you know, the handling. It's a heavy handed story. There's no question about it, but I do think that movie was much more enjoyable than I expected. And it, and it, it packs a wallop. There's, it's a tough watch, but it, it, it resonates. It hits 
watch that movie on Hulu, folks. And yeah, Andre Day is right there with these other actresses. Again, what a year for Best Actress, Mike. Rosamund Pike joining the conversation now in a, in a real way, winning this Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical for I Care A Lot, a movie that is about as funny as uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday. Because it's not yeah, funny. Like, like drawing, no, yeah. Neither one. Are, <laughs> geez, if you watch the United States of Billie Holiday, the funniest thing about it will be my joke reminding you that I care a lot is about as funny as it. So, yeah, of course. I mean, it's not not I, I can't believe what they're what they're doing with these two categories. Like if you had Carrie Mulligan in this category, I almost think that Rosamund Pike would get more losing to Carrie Mulligan in that category than she does winning this category. But again, I'm stalling because I should be praising you right now, Mike. You actually picked this plus 1400, which is a 14 to 1 yeah. underdog and you picked rosamund pike with rationale last monday you had a whole speech you had all this reasoning on why rosamund pike was going to take this thing and you said it on our pre- on our uh, prediction show and you said it a week ago and the day of movement of the line uh, this is something you've alluded to and it's something that's helped us in the past anytime there's a not big but uh, noticeable movement in someone's betting lines the yeah. last few award shows that's indicated a winner rosamund pike did have huge movement the day of the golden globe she dropped from like 14 to 1 almost in half she cut her mm. odds i think it was down to 8 to 1 or 6 to 1 at certain points so maybe more than half in some books so, again that movement suggested a winner but i mean yes i am the smartest man alive for that <laughs> I'm just talking to somebody who went 20 for 25. I didn't keep track of my numbers. I think I was like 16 or you 15. Do, you don't need to. You picked the 14 to 100. <laughs> but what's the reason I bring that up is there was no movement on Andre Day. Uh, Andre Day's line, nor Jodie Foster's, and in fact, there was movement on Carrie Mulligan's line getting shorter the day of the Golden Globes, and she was already the favorite going into the show. Well, I didn't track all the lines you tracked, so you tracked more than me. The the lines I did track that morning, and I was tweeting about it, about half of them came to fruition, and about the other half actually did not happen. I mean, the, those Interesting. supposed winners did not happen. I guess I'll, I'll mention it in a minute. But so, like, I like the money didn't tell me anything, but you're saying, again, you're fixated on your one great pick. Is, yeah, is this correct. Happens? Yes. And I will be f- until the end of time. So, if you, I mean, you all have to get used to this, me bragging about that. Look, I, I think Rosamund Pike, it just makes a lot of sense for the HFPA. That nomination last year at last year's award show, I, for me, I don't know how everyone else feels. It really came from out of nowhere. I don't yeah. remember anyone, sp- it was actually akin to. To the Jodie Foster nomination this year. Nobody was really talking about Jodie Foster, I thought. Nobody was really talking about... I mean, there were a couple. I did see a couple people. I want to give... I don't remember specifically, but I did. I saw very few people, let's say, talking about Jodie Foster this year. I saw no one talking about Rosamund Pike's performance last year. Rosamund Pike gets in on the HFPA to fill that fifth slot when nobody was talking about her. I thought Jodie Foster was kind of the same thing this year. But Jodie Foster goes on to win, even though she, I think, was 10-1 to 1 when the book settled. She was quite the underdog herself. And none of these three actresses are nominated at SAG. And the only actress here that uh, that won at the Globes nominated at the Critics' Choice is Andra Day. So it's not like 
there, there's consensus on this category yeah. at all, Mike. I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about lead actress and supporting actress for that matter going forward my nightmare of glenn close winning for hillbilly elegy and again i just you know i know a lot of our friends out there are mad at people who have this grudge against hillbilly elegy i have a grudge against hillbilly elegy for a lot of reasons it's a bad movie i I, (laughs) yeah i'm on the reason number one is it's a bad movie but here's here's like what i don't want to happen and and this I'm, i'm I want Glenn Close winning for, like you keep saying, Sunset Boulevard in the future. If for, she doesn't win this year. I don't want her winning for this year. That's I want I her to either. win for something glorious. I want a whole packed house. I don't want mass. Energy. I want her winning to something glorious. And I want to, you know, I want to be there. I want to rush the stage and hug her myself. She may go full Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> And just play every role in Sunset Boulevard. She may direct. She may write this. Like we, I don't think we as mere mortals are prepared for what Glenn Close is going to do on the set of Sunset Boulevard. If she's blanked once again this year in a category that I know you were resistant to it, but I think I'm safe in saying a lot of people at least kind of figured she would be a default once again. And then now it's up in the air. I uh, I saw the line moving towards Glenn Close, and I figured, I figured that was gonna happen on the night. Like if you asked me to make a last minute bet, I would have said I would have gotten away from my Olivia Colman pick, which was dead wrong, and said Glenn Close. But I think this, I think this late movement, I think these three categories, I think it's just speaking to the fact that we have two Oscar categories that are going to be loaded with ten performances that are going to be close, five on, on each side. They're just going to be close to one another in terms of quality and high quality. That it's it is actually going to be quite the race. I mean, this is a ultimately this is a great year for lead actress, and this is a supporting actress field that we've always said has been wide open and, mm-hmm. and offers unique alternatives. I mean, you got more than one mentor hero grandma, right? You got that that have almost lead. I mean, they're almost uh, category fraud. You have a part in Maria Bakalova. Like, how do you even recognize that? You have a child actress performance. She's a wunderkind. She's well ahead of her time. You have Ellen Bernstein. You you have so many actresses in that category. And then you bring in a movie star like Jodie Foster. Yeah. And now she crashes a party. So what's going to happen? I mean, we're going to... I think everybody's talking about today the real momentum for someone like Jodie Foster. If it was somebody else... You know, if it was and just Andre Day, I, I think I think the, the two biggest winners might have been Jodie Foster and Andre Day. Right, right. I, so I mean, the, I, the one you'd think would fall off would be Rosamund Pike. Now, I only for a couple of reasons, probably biggest of which is that is comedy musical. You're right, it's a tough translation comedy yeah. musical to the Oscars. But Andre Day, look, one more thing we can shame the Golden Globes for whoever was directing the show letting those segments go long. I thought the pace of the show overall was pretty good, but they do have probably. I don't know if I want to say too many awards, but they should have been scheduled out to 1130, which I know is hard to do on a broadcast network, but they were so crunched for time that Andre Day, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix was out there. He said, Andre Day, she gave her acceptance speech and they were done before you even really had a second to process what the hell happened. They did the best lead actress drama and best picture drama within the span of like three minutes and they were off the air. So we didn't even really, I mean, you didn't really have time to kind of savor the moment for Andre Day. I felt as a viewer, I'm still not, I'm I'm shocked still that she ended up winning this. I I feel like that that moment was robbed of her and hopefully and maybe she'll have more bigger moments to come here as we work our way towards the Oscars. We've seen iconic 
singer songwriters and, and musicians win these awards and, and real people who were, were pioneers in their fields. Uh, we've seen biopics win. Yeah. Simple as that. Judy Garland won last year. Uh, Billie Holiday, I, we won a performance from her. I mean, it's, it's a ringer for the uh, mimicry. My God, does she nail that. And then she's got as much range as you'll ever see in any performance. I mean, does it go to 11 too often? Does it go too far? I mean, that would, might be my one criticism. And, and But that's not always that's not always uh, her problem. Sometimes that's a composition problem. Sometimes the director's letting you you know, go too far. She, he's not reining in or editing or he's not showcasing you the, the way he should. But uh, Andre Day's performance is right up there with everybody else. Now, Rosamund Pike, that, that movie is going to have to come in as a single numb. Yeah, I mean, that's a category that doesn't necessarily uh, always translate, especially when Maria Bakalova is the only other quote-unquote bona fide Oscars contender in the category. Right. Am I remembering correctly? It's, it's frustrating because I, I do think that just in terms of awards posturing, it would have been better served to to not have you know Kate Hudson or Michelle Pfeiffer who's fallen off. Anya Taylor Joy is having a great year, but that's almost a coattails nom for mm-hmm. her from the Queen's Gambit or an overall nom from the year. And I you know I I love her work this year. I loved Emma, but I I don't think Emma's going to contend at the Oscars necessarily beyond some design categories. So right, Rosamund Pike's win is you know is in the mid major conference. It's not necessarily against a, a major. The greatest moment of Rosamund Pike's win is going to be the money David Long mm-hmm. pays me out of the goodness of his David heart. David Long is a rich made him man, a millionaire last night. <laughs> we were joking all night, David. We love that you won money and won big. Yeah, actually, I mean, look, t- I know there was a couple people that that messaged us and DM'd us and said they were on the Rosamund Pike. I, I sincerely, I'm happy you all won. I will take ten percent though. <laughs> All right, good luck, let's, good luck collecting. Let's, let's move on here. Uh, for the rest of this episode, we're just going to kind of go chronologically through the show. For those of you who may have seen it or not, give our takes for the best and worst of what happened. We're going to try to pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, you heard us talk about the Tina and Amy monologue to start. I thought I was very impressed with the technology of the Golden Globes because it was kind of it was a coast to coast broadcast. Uh, Tina was in New York. Amy Poehler was in L.A. Which, and, Mike, I mean, you have two of the greatest hosts with the greatest chemistry ever. Absolutely. And you put them on opposite coasts. I was very skeptical of this working, but it actually kind of sort of worked. I felt the like there was no tape delay. Yeah. That, which is, there's tape delay in you and I talking. That's why exactly. we talk over yeah. one another. And it, I mean, I don't, I don't know how they did it. I was amazed by that. Uh, they crushed the monologue, I thought. How could they not? One of the, the best funny parts. hand coming across. I mean, that was really funny. <laughs> was I watched it good. again this morning. They filled us in on uh, first responders and essential workers were the ones in the live audience. I love that. A couple good jokes. The HFPA is made up of around 90 international no-black journalists. I, that, I, I laughed out loud hard yes. to that. Yes. yes. What's the difference between TV and movies? Amy Poehler said TV is the one I watch for five hours straight, but movies is the one I don't turn on because it's two hours long yes that, yes, that describes good. me to a t i think yeah and i'm still angry about uh, with you for it i don't know why I, I guess you just want five you want ten stories you want five stories in your five hours of, of watching all i want is what i don't know i want delivered mm-hmm. to me always on time exactly the way you want uh, look i mean the the cutaways you were remarking throughout the night the cutaways to the zoom audience that was very awkward to get into a negative i 
I mean, when that James Corden cut away, <laughs> he was the first one to cut away to. Was the he guy sobbing like, all night or with <laughs> glitter on his eyes? I feel I kind of felt bad for the man. I know the performance was just really it just didn't work in the prop. But he looked so sad. Like, you're right. I felt he just looked like he didn't want to be there. But at the same time, man, you're nominated at the Golden Globes. He's not. He's an extremely talented actor. He's he's not that bad. I he, I mean, as an actor, I mean, he made choices in that movie that were offensive to a lot of people. But I mean, I guess you know maybe he had the best mea culpa of the night because he was crying all night. The the one time I thought I thought the cutaways were cringeworthy a yeah. lot of the night. But the one time I thought they really worked was during Norman Lear's speech. And you could tell everyone was really hooked in watching Norman Lear and appreciating this legend of, of small screen and, and right. kind of hanging on his every word. I thought that was really cool. But the first award of the night, Laura Dern came out. She gave uh, supporting actor in a movie to Daniel Kaluuya. And I have never been happier to start 0-1 in my predictions as I switched mine from Kaluuya to Sasha Baron Cohen. I thought Kaluuya gave a great speech, Mike. Who told Laura Dern to move on from Daniel's muted speech at first? I mean, they just had yeah. the half-ass joke about the mea culpa of uh, of the problem with racism within the HFPA. What a and start, then they, huh? <laughs> they muted Daniel. Like you can, if you don't laugh, you will cry. Yeah, I think uh, I think he does get the speech because he's like, wait, wait, you're doing me dirty. You're doing me dirty here. No, he finally gave that speech and he nailed it. And then he and he to talk about how. Look, a lot of attention was paid to Fred Hampton's death, but let's talk about how he lived. Let's learn from what he said. Yeah. And I just thought, I thought the HFPA got this right. They got Daniel Kaluuya right. And that was a shockingly great start. It Again, it made me think that the money was going to work. It made me think that my picks were going to work, that nothing else but bad would happen. I was actually really <laughs> excited uh, going forward. And props to uh, Scott Yeager, who I know we've been you've been talking to primarily uh, in our DMs on on Twitter there. But uh, he, I was talking to him a little yesterday. He said he felt like there may be uh, an overcorrection by the HFPA to kind of find more representation in this year's winners. I think that did happen. Uh, my only gripe with that would be the two most notably negative technological things that happen. Yeah. were during Daniel Kaluuya's acceptance speech and Andre Day's acceptance speech. And that's inexcusable when the preface of the night is what it was for last night. No, they, they're putting their feet in their mouths. And every, and that's the thing. Everybody has to speculate now, and, and, right. and rightly so. The big picture, Scott, in our conversation and your conversation there, it makes it makes sense that we, we can't trust this group and we're speculating on, all right, why are we having you know three out of the first four uh, awards go to black recipients and, and we're thrilled but we, we lead the show with that i mean it just so happens to lead the show with that right again i you know we're both skeptical and it's it's just a shame that we have to be skeptical daniel that's Kaluuya not to wins. say we don't think they're the right winners right John Boyega, mean, we picked them so exactly. i picked I, i'm sorry you 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 i don't know what you're i only doing. picked you're one going, category last night you're going for glory <laughs> i only you're, picked one category <laughs> I, I I picked these you know I love them I love right. these performances and John Boyega crushed it in red white and blue in small acts and it's impossible to compare that performance to Dan Levy but the only point of comparison I mean Eugene Levy and Dan Levy had 
moments that made me cry, father-son moments that made me cry, and so did you know the father-son moments in Red, White, and Blue, small acts there. So that, that's the only point of comparison. But yeah, that's an incredible performance by John Boyega. Hopefully a sign of things to come for him this, the rest of this TV award season because Schitt's Creek kind of moves behind. The small acts can come to the fore, and we're going to see small acts in Queen's Gambit duke it out the rest of the year. And John Boyega was the next award winner. Angela Bassett presented him for his win, uh, performance by an actor in a TV supporting role. Colin Farrell was out next to present the Best Picture nominee of The Father. Mm. And then Christian Slater came out, and I felt like, look, Feeding America is a very important cause. But again, you're left to wonder because of the HFPA being the HFPA. I felt like they were going overboard with the Feeding America plugs last night. In in a te- to me, it came off as look, look how much good we do do. Don't worry about all the scandals that are in the papers. And again, I I can't get enough of Feeding America. I I would have been fine if they plugged it in every every uh, segment. But I, they seem to plug it right after. Yeah. The- had uh, an admission of guilt. Yes. And it, it, it happened multiple times. And it happened in the opening speech and it happened yes. throughout the broadcast. And it just kept happening literally afterwards. And again, it's a perception problem, but we have no issues with feedingamerica.org. Guys, go donate to them. Yeah, they're doing great, uh, great stuff. If you can. And, uh, I think uh, I think that's a it's a great charity, and obviously we're we're not getting on the charity, of course. I right. mean, Christian Slater and every, and everybody there. I mean, if they did that in every speech, and they reminded people throughout the night, that's I mean, fi- finally there's something here we could just all get behind, and and hopefully they they made a lot of money last night. It's just a, yeah, yeah. I mean, you made the point already. I'm just echoing it at this point, but it's just a shame we have to wonder. You know, is there a second side to this? Are they trying to be a little more sinister and devious? And you know, it, 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 it's a shame. It's a shame what's happening with the Golden Globes all around. But uh, to concentrate more on the show and some of the positive, Christian Slater stayed out there, presented lead actress in a TV musical or comedy. It was Catherine O'Hara of Schitt's Creek. She gave her speech from the inside of a soup can. It sounded like. Mike, the uh, iPhone or the phone, whatever, should not broadcast music through Zoom. And unfortunately, it was the O'Hara's first time on Zoom during this entire pandemic. Like, you should know, like, you can't. I mean, the, the... it's a, it could have been a funny bit. Right. It was an okay joke, but it was horribly excellent. The, the joke was her husband was there with his iPhone trying to play her off. Immediately, which was annoying, which did actually didn't work. I mean, he was probably supposed to press it later. Right. I mean, if the sound of this was take your iPhone, hit play on a song, throw it into a f- empty Folgers coffee can, and roll the coffee can down the road. That's what it sounded. It was terrible. Still, she gets a pass from me. I, I loved her that show. I've said it multiple times. And she's had a career with Christopher Guest. She's had a career with, with Eugene Levy acting opposite him. And certainly the, the last tribute circuit she's been on with Schitt's Creek. It's worthy. It's proper. I'm glad she won. And uh, Catherine O'Hara, let's put her. Let's put If we could get her halfway to the Catherine Hahn status right now the the hipster <laughs> han the hipster han hive if we can get her halfway there the o'hara hive I, i'll be happy the hipster han hive we can't refer to it as triple h though that's already been used and trademarked uh <laughs> tiffany haddish presented best animated feature to soul a uh, nice moment where pete doctor was giving his award speech and he held up an ipad that had kemp powers on it giving a pre-recorded speech which come to find out kemp powers didn't uh, he wasn't officially nominated until just before the show. He didn't yeah. know that he was going to be a nominee, according to Scott Feinberg. 
apparently they changed the rules right beforehand. How this is possible, I don't know. Nope. Again, you, you look at it with side eyes. Yep. And the big picture had a big thing on it in their podcast I listened to this morning. And uh, I, at the time, I was like, I hope he's just watching the Nick game. And <laughs> he just wants to see a winning basketball team because he and I are big Nick fans. And that's, I just I think he's my friend now. We're no never going to be able to interview him. No, we never would. <laughs> because uh, I just he'll talk about the Knicks all the time. But no, he, he made the one joke. And the one Julius Randall. I fixate. Yeah, the Randallorian. Yep. Look, Soul is our favorite film of the year, Michael. Yes. And I think we're still holding out hope that it can gain traction in original screenplay and then picture on, on you know, the back of Ken Powers in many ways because he has just been such a hit this year uh, with One Night in Miami and Soul. So this was a strong first step. Again, this is a this is going to be a sign that the Golden Globes do matter to people and 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 yeah i mean soul is a, is a clear and obvious example that maybe it would it would be running away everywhere but again the golden globes gives permission to these other awards bodies to to vote for you right and, and here we are as good as wolf walkers is soul in our opinion and a lot of people's opinion just on that other level correct and they they knocked that out of the park pete doctor like you've been saying you know, he, he's just been great at what he does for 20 years. And here you have Kemp Powers just having the year, uh, the greatest year ever. So I hope that pays off for the New York Knicks, by the way. I'll end with that. The Randallorian is the most offended I've ever been on the show <laughs> by something you said. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we had two Best Picture nominees presented. Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II did Trial of the Chicago 7. Amanda Seyfried presented Mank. Uh, sandwiched in between those was the absolute failure of the HFPA coming out and addressing the equality and racism issue for the maybe 45, 35 second presentation we already touched on at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Justin Thoreau, who was from the Mosquito Coast, is how they said him. He presented actor in a limited series or TV movie to Mark Ruffalo for I Know This Much Is True. So underdog that I predicted, I'm really happy for Mark Ruffalo. And he yes. gave a, a speech about global warming, Mike, that, uh, that, that I thought, you know, he's getting through it fast. And yeah. it matters, and it's important, and he uses his platform. So, and yeah, like good. I said, he, I was, I cared more about global warming in the acceptance speech time than the HFPA gave themselves to make me think they actually care about the uh, equality issue they have going on in their association right now. So, take True. that for what it's worth. Well, goddess Cynthia Erivo comes to the stage, and she presented best screenplay to Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago Seven. So I moved this. Uh, this was my one pick. So if you are tabulating at home, no, you're in 19 for 25. You weren't. No, I moved the one pick in our last Oscar race checkpoint. I changed it from Promising Young Woman back to Aaron Sorkin. And, you know, that this is a, a show of strength for this particular category this year. We always thought that Aaron Sorkin would have an inside track. Yep. It, it, the winners don't necessarily translate as strong as the nominations in this category, mm-hmm. but this was a sign on the night because we were thinking, like, the last four years, this category also won a Best Picture category. We were thinking, all right, this is this trend is going to continue, weren't we? Yeah, and the odds did dictate that as well before the show. The Trial of Chicago 7 officially became the uh, front runner in pretty much every book I saw to yeah. win Best Picture drama at the end of the night. But uh, did it happen? If you watch, you'd know. But if not, we're going to get to it soon. Sorkin's speech, I thought, was pretty paint by numbers until he talked about at the very end it, a real email from the real Abby Hoffman he got uh, where he quoted saying, if you don't participate in democracy, it crumbles. And Sorkin went on to editorialize, I don't need any more evidence than what happened at the Capitol on January 6th to agree with that. I thought that was very poignant. Very well put. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, I, I I think it's hard to to make a political statement in like a thirty second to a minute speech. But yeah, I mean a, a good hey, the man is one of the best writers in the business, and he's just had this career of speaking truth to power from the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, before the West Wing up till now. I mean, our issues with that film. They're more in context of the overall year. It's not. It's not our issues necessarily with that film. Even though I have re. I mean, I've watched that movie six times now. Now, Mike, and I know I'm not going to get into the big soapbox argument about the trial of Chicago Seven, but it it hasn't gotten better on rewatch. So I'm a little di- again. I'm a little dismayed about that. Like, as Aaron Sorkin. I mean, I've been a Sorkinite my whole right. life. I mean, I watched West Wing twice. It's one of the only TV shows I've rewatched. Wow. I it's it's a huge I have to watch that. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one you should yeah. watch. I don't know if it's yeah. I mean it's almost too idyllic to, 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 yeah. you know for for modern times, but I I do think I do think it really works. And his 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 movies are so damn good. I mean Moneyballs. I mean how many Sorkin movies were our favorites of the year? The Social Network, Moneyball, uh, Steve Christ. Jobs. Steve Jobs. We yeah. oh my god, I can listen to that. Uh, script on Luther. I don't even have to watch the movie. I just, I mean, the the musical dialogue of right. that. I just, it's it's really incredible. So it pains us to not love the Trial of the Chicago Seven, but that's where where we're at. I know a lot of people were mad at us for Trial of Chicago Seven. They've been mad at us for for six months. But it's just, <laughs> it's not a it's not a love hate thing. It's a like love thing. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's a perfectly good watchable movie. I don't know that it's. The movie of the picture. year. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Uh, That's where we're at. Followed was a bit where Maya Rudolph, one of the best things about seeing Tina and Amy somewhere is that you know Maya Rudolph is sure to make an appearance as well. She also just recently booked an SNL hosting gig at the end of March. I'm so excited for that, but she was yeah. here with Keenan Thompson accepting a fake award as uh, people who were too drunk to accept an award, foreigners that were too drunk to <laughs> accept an award. It was funny. It was just it was funny, and he kept speaking the translation. Yeah, they're they're just funny. I mean, it went on a little too long, but the again, yeah. I forgive something that makes me laugh. So if it goes on an extra minute, but it made me laugh four times, fine. Same here. Same here. Sarah Paulson was out next to present the prom as a best picture nominee for musical or comedy. Ryan Murphy all over the show, Mike. You know, props to Ryan Murphy. I mean, he's making good on that Netflix deal. I mean, these are awarded and these are nominated properties. The Golden Globe ambassadors were out next. Satchel and Jackson Lee, Spike Lee's children, uh, say mm. it said a few words. They were grateful for this opportunity to make a difference for those in need. And classy as hell. I mean, mm-hmm. just the fact that, you know, I mean, obviously they're not going to say anything about the Defy Blood snub there. But, I mean, Spike could have, he could have said something about that snub throughout. And, you know, again, just the, the height of class and the height of, you know, uh, the, the right way to behave. They're just setting an example for all of us throughout the season. Uh, Absolutely. The Absolutely. Uh, another big moment. I kind of alluded to this already. Tina and Amy came back out to present Norman Lear with the Carol Burnett Award. Another great video package. Uh, all in the family. Good times. Maud. All of the shows from the 70s and 80s that he had a hand in writing and producing. Uh, then recapping his career where he won six Emmys, two Peabody's, a Kennedy Center's honors the man is 98 years young he doesn't look a day over like 70 or 71 i would say i was just very grateful also that he wasn't in that building live he gave a zoom (laughs) acceptance speech right there's a worldwide pandemic let's preserve the man (laughs) but uh yeah and uh, you know scott feinberg was like maybe not the best clips to use in that montage they had a couple that were you know miss you can misinterpret i would say they didn't really do it justice but you know norman lear 
his rationale was adorable for why he's still alive. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I've just been laughing my whole life. I've, yeah. I've never gone into a room where I haven't laughed. And I just, uh, I, I love that so much. I mean, we have a lot of laughs on this show. And yeah, I think that, I think that's important. I mean, we'll, well, unfortunately, Mike, we'll, all these la- uh, laughs will send us past our expiration dates <laughs> where we probably should duly expire. But no, the laughs will prolong the, anyway. No, great job uh, with this uh, presentation as well overall and it, and it was it was it was really nice to see Salma Hayek was out next she presented Nomadland as the best picture drama nominee then we had Kevin Bacon and wife Kira Sedgwick presenting more about feeding America and then they went on to do best actress for TV drama to Emma Corrin for The Crown this is another one you nailed Michael Karen, Karen, Karen. I think I think it's an Irish pronunciation. I was actually looking that up. I, I looked that up for far too long, by the way. But the R U H N is how you're supposed to pronounce the the last syllable. But yeah, talk about a power couple and talk about a rising star. This was cool. Tracy Morgan had his own moment of the night. He came out to present two awards. He was first introduced by Tina Fey as someone who was only four awards away from an EGOT. That made yeah. me laugh. <laughs> And then, it was funny. And then he presented best original song, Low C, to, from the life ahead, ended up winning. Is it Diane Warren's time finally? You, you didn't think she was going to win. Neither of us did. No. We thought this was Leslie Odom Jr. speak yeah. now. Every single pundit had him just about. I know there's a few that thought, you know, the Italian movie would win because it's Hollywood foreign press and they're mostly European. And we, now we know they're all white and all right. Fine. <laughs> fine. All right. We know this now. The Life Ahead is a really awesome movie, by the way. Andrew and I uh, of the Knobcast reviewed it. We loved it. Uh, we reviewed it on his show. And uh, we people should see it. Ibrahim Gay, great performance from a, a child actor in that movie. He should get more credit. And Di- Diane Warren... How she is involved with this song, I don't know. Like, she's just, I mean, how many, 17, 18 Oscar noms, and she's over right now in her career? Or maybe it's 11. I, I don't know if I'm miscounting, but it was, I, it's absurd that she's over that many. And I don't know what she said or did to the Academy or, or whatever, that branch. <laughs> maybe she told us, like, you're all a bunch of whatever. And, and maybe and maybe she was right. Who knows? I mean, at this, at this point with Hollywood, we do have that Radio Raheem love-hate hands going on. So maybe yeah. she just told them off. If... The Golden Globes are still the award show that gives permission to nominate and pick Oscar winners, then maybe this is finally her time after all those noms. Uh, that remains to be seen, but it's going to be hard-pressed to not at least see her as a nominee in this category once again come Oscar Sunday. Right. Uh, I hope she's there. and Yeah, it's a huge sign for the life ahead. Uh, Tracy Morgan stayed out to present Best Original Score to soul except when he read the name of the yeah. movie he genuinely and sincerely and unironically opened the envelope and goes soul <laughs> I, I you know we screw up pronunciations on this show regularly so how dare we uh you know especially oh it was so when, endearing though it was yeah, so cute especially when he's been hit by an 18 wheeler and the right still alive good and, god and, making millions and yeah so how dare you how dare we but yeah it was strange like how do you screw that one up so good so good and tina fey had fun with it later on in the night john batiste gave a beautiful acceptance speech there uh and i Mm -hmm. thought it was a following a trend where the acceptance speeches were very well timed and very quick well it was the pre-recorded acceptance speech theory that i've had for the non 
Well, I mean, Batiste is a performer, but the non-performer, the non-speaker, the non-thespian, if you do this at the Academy Awards, if you do this down the line, maybe you don't get that awkward passing around the paper and everybody nervous and, and terrified, and it's just like the wallflowers have to come to the center of the spotlight, and that's I'm the one of those wallflowers. I'm probably not able to do what they're able to do on the stage, and we've had some good speeches in the past, but in terms of the odds of these speeches being good... It's not it, the, the the odds are bad. It's like one for every ten, maybe one for twenty. So the mm-hmm. fact that these guys, you know, you got the exact sound bites you wanted, and they just nailed it, and it was really smooth presentation. Kate Hudson was out next. He she presented the best picture comedy musical nominee of music. Yeah, nobody else would present it. Sure. Is the joke going around? Should have just been ninety seconds of someone throwing up through their hands instead it's of a video a- package. <laughs> Susan Kaliki, <laughs> go ahead. Rough. All right, it's a rough movie. It's not just a rough movie because of the terrible uh, offensive things in it. It's a rough movie because there's a music video every 14, 15 minutes. I think less said about it. I the think better. I timed it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Uh, Susan Kaliki, Watson, Sterling K. Brown. They came out. They presented Best Actor in a TV Series, Musical or Comedy. Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso won. We said it was irresistible. Yeah, was. he was, and it's a great show, by the way. Great to be black at the Golden Globe. Back, back at the Golden Globes. Great job by <laughs> Sterling K. Brown and Susan Kalicki Watson there. It was very funny. They stay out. They presented Best TV Series Comedy Musical to Shits Creek. And Dan Levy gets to accept that award. And I wonder if this is kind of globe puzzle theory because they know he's the creator and maybe he doesn't get, you know, it just, it just works. You know, Dan Levy should be accepting award on this night. Schitt's Creek should win. And, you know, you can award Ted Lasso next year in this bigger mm-hmm. category. You can't do that for Schitt's Creek. This is an, one of those obvious kind of TV awards where it doesn't work with film. It works on the TV side. And we're starting to learn that. And I am uh, I'm accelerating my uh, my learning curve about TV, apparently. Or it's just <laughs> blind luck guessing what white people will do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was all luck. I, th- I think you should uh, be a little more. Be as arrogant to the people now as you were to me in private. You fuck it. No. No, you, 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 no I was mad at you. I was legitimately mad. How do you not brag about me for getting all these TV awards right? I, I just I was competitive. I was competitive. But it wasn't just me mad about not getting credit. It was me mad about you struggle right. holding all of the credit on the night right. for one thing when I got like multiple things right. Like I was, do, like I was, the, yeah, I was the 1980s character with glasses and a ponytail who was being overlooked, and I was very angry with you, uh, <laughs> Selena I, Kyle of this podcast. That's who I am. I apologize for absolutely nothing. We had a string out of a building. Every t- uh, keep, yeah, just, I'm sorry. We had a go. string of of bits and presentations afterwards. There was this weird kid say the darndest Golden Globes things type of bit. Uh, yeah. It ended on a nice note with Chadwick Boseman. That was cute. It was, it, yeah, it was cute. It was, it was emotional, and uh, yeah, it's it, you know, at the at the time we were like these. Who are these small people? Like yeah. we don't have kids, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're the wrong people for that bit necessarily. But all the parents out there were like, "Oh, it's adorable!" Right. And exactly. We're, we're monsters. I, right. I can't relate to that. I don't know what mm-hmm. that feeling is. Uh, Sean Penn was out. He said thank you to the HFPA on behalf of Core, another institution doing good work. That's when Ben Stiller followed up doing uh, the Rosamund Pike Best Actress in Musical or Comedy presentation. Uh, mm-hmm. Margot Robbie then followed that up by do- presenting Promising Young Woman as Hell its yeah. Best Picture nominee. 
And, you know, props to Sean Penn, by the way, too. For I mean, he's basically retired from acting just to be, like, a superhero around the globe. I know people get on him for mugging for the camera over the years, but the guy's done so much for Haiti. He's done so much for so many people, and he doesn't give an F. He doesn't – I mean, he will – he will, you know, swallow his pride and go out in front of people and ask for donations because he knows he's got to be the face for that. Mm. And he will he will reluctantly do all these things, in my opinion. Again, it's just my opinion, but Sean Penn kind of gets the wrong – there's the wrong perception about him. And I know he's had to make friends with certain people who have royally screwed up in his past as well. And he's had to make allies of people who would help him and who would help his causes in the past that, you you know, you probably don't want as allies now because, again, the perception. But Sean Penn is just continually doing great work out there. And, and Margot Robbie, back to yeah. back, she's, you know, just been a pioneer in uh, the producing side of things and, and having her own production company and backing something like Promising Young Woman when we've heard the stories now of how often that was thrown out of pitch pitch rooms mm-hmm. full of you know old white guys and here margot robbie putting you know back in promising young woman to get that movie made so hell yeah yeah well said by you very well said agree on all counts there anthony anderson was out he again talked about feeding america a lot of feeding america and core just in a row here uh and then he presented best actor tv drama to josh o'connor from the crown your pick, my greatest Michael. upset pick of the night certainly in this category but again they irresistible prince charles are you kidding me I, I, he's very british like you're yeah so mm-hmm. british i mean the most british man <laughs> i've ever heard talk yeah, and, and what a great actor he is. I, I actually think his uh, his acting in the season prior was even better than this year, but this year he just had the showcase scenes. And, yeah, I mean, what a season of television. My God. Tina and Amy did a bit about celebra- celebrities doing telemedicine appointments. <laughs> I did, I, didn't work on me. <laughs> Gal Gadot followed that up in a stunning white dress she did best motion picture foreign language which is still a a terrible name for a category but all right minari michael you picked it i didn't well i just thought this one of the acceptance speeches of the night came from lee isaac chung because another person who could just get all nasty and no he's just he's grace personified mike he's Mm -hmm. graciousness personified when he says the you know my daughter's the reason i made this film it's a film about family. It's trying to speak a language of its own because we know the controversy over this category is by parsing through it on the barriers of language. And, right. and Bong Joon-ho said that profound quote last year about if you get over the one inch at the bottom of the screen, if you get over that one inch of subtitles, a whole new world of cinema will be open to you. And here we have Lee Isaac Chung talking about, I hope we all learn to speak the language of the heart, speak the language of love Instead of talking about the controversy over the language of his film and why it's in the wrong category, this was a beautiful speech. Agree. And you look, Minari has its favorites. You've you got to expect bigger, bigger things as the award season rolls on here, I think, from it. Well, you get a speech like that. You get yeah. You get a, a backlash like this in its favor, Minari. Minari's got all kinds of momentum, and I think it's got more momentum than even we realize. And we've been very bullish on it of late. And, uh, yeah, Minari's going to be a major factor over the next few months. Keenan Thompson was out next. He did Best TV Series Drama to the Crown. No surprise there. 
Yeah, that's a, the heaviest favorite on the night and a, a, a proper winner. It makes sense. I love The Mandalorian. Everybody loved these other uh, shows. But yeah, The Crown was just it was going to be an awards juggernaut. And it was one of the moments of the night in a positive way was uh, what we talked about next. Tina and Amy presenting Jane Fonda for the Cecil B. DeMille Award. I mean, blew just- us away. Grace really personified, did. absolutely. Then yeah. Ava DuVernay, who looked stunning herself, presented Hamilton as a Best Picture Comedy or Musical nom. Again, a collection of presenters and recipients that where you're just like, you're just so energized. And, you know, we, we, we get mad at award shows and, and this particular award's body, Mike, but then they, they still deliver moments like this. They still deliver these, these, these heroic personalities. And Ava DuVernay, with all she's done for... Hollywood <laughs> and reforming that no business. Kidding. Another Thank, legend. Yeah, I mean, for her to present Hamilton like that pairing is just—I mean, it gets you goosebumps. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it really, really worked. And uh, this was a point of the award show. Where I'm like, how can I get mad at this? How can I stay mad? You can't stay mad at you, Golden Globes. <laughs> right, highest of highs and lowest of lows, and right. it's like watching one of the most frustrating movies. Uh, I agree. Play out in front of you. Christopher Maloney, who was said to be from SVU, which was nice to see, uh, presented TV supporting actress for a drama to Gillian Anderson. And yeah, Margaret Thatcher, Thatcher's breathy, but just brilliant performance. And it deserves it deserves to win. It's just that good. Again, The Crown, that good. Some of the best anything I saw this year. Hamilton, The Crown, Soul. That's probably my superlatives on the year. Yeah. We went to Tanish Jones, who's the babysitter from Borat 2, to present awesome. Borat 2 as the Best Picture Comedy and Musical nom. That was so cool to see. It's so cool because there was the big controversy about she, obviously she didn't know she was acting mm-hmm. in the film necessarily. She knew there were cameras on her and she knew she got paid this small amount, but here she is getting a huge moment at the Golden Globes to present uh, Borat's subsequent movie film and to you know to take credit for her role. She yeah, was, and to hilarious. build herself up. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was awesome. So that was awesome and uh, makes me like Borat probably more than I do. (laughs) Rosie Perez presented Best Actress in a Limited Series or TV Movie to Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit. Again, no surprise. Yeah, no surprise. Uh, Queen's Gambit goes two for two. And yeah, we had her. We had her last week. Queen's Gambit also won Best Anthology or TV Movie, which Rosie Perez presented as well. It's really good. It's just satisfying as as a TV show, right? I mean, you just got to watch that show, people, and it's really hard to dislike it. And the filmmaking is extraordinary. The writer of Logan is behind in the director's chair. Just the the filmmaking, the the montage, the the fact that they're, again, tonal mess uh, for most other shows and most other movies and the queen's gambit gets drug abuse it gets the sports thing it gets the chess i mean i don't give a shit about chess and here they are playing out chess on the ceiling for a little kid in an orphanage and it's it's riveting stuff i'm more of a checkers fan no it's a, i just haven't <laughs> watched never them. move your back row right <laughs> yeah no that's about my acumen of board games as well yeah uh renee zellweger and and this truly was see i, think, I backhand you you missed that backhanded compliment is it stinging your cheek right there or <laughs> make fun of your <laughs> i didn't even hear it i'll be honest is trying to move the locomotive along here. I am not Lee Isaac Chung. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> not, uh, yeah. Again, seriously, one of the, I, I don't know, I was near tears. I'm sure a lot of people I mean, were, but everybody one of the moments of the night. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Simone Ledward, Chadwick Boseman's widow, My accepting uh, best actor in a drama, Renee Zellweger presented. I mean, just she tells us Chadwick would thank God, his parents, his team, everybody. She's choking back tears the entire time. It was my heart was, I mean, so tough to watch. 
so he just would say something beautiful, something inspiring, something that amplifies oh that little voice in all of us that that tells us to, you, tells you to keep going. Watch that speech, like we said with the Gotham's. I mean, she is just honoring her husband, honoring the strength in that woman. Nobody else this. could. Yeah, oh nobody else God. could do it. And to do it time after time, just good oh, lord! I can't get over the, that amount of strength. Yeah. God bless her, uh, man. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. I'm sorry. I just thinking about that. It's, it's overwhelming. Just, it's it's yeah, overwhelming, it really and hopefully it, it does. It does give Chadwick the momentum to carry through award season because this as he has said to it last be. Night, yeah, this is the performance that he should be honored for. It's yeah. so good. I mean, this retroactive. I, I look his role in the Five Bloods was admirable and it was great, but give him the lead. He's a leading guy. Give him the lead role and honor the lead performance. He's going to go down maybe as one of the last great movie stars. Yeah, in this era. I mean, I, I I'm guessing the movie star era will come back in a in the future, but I mean, he's one of our last great movie stars, and uh, he's one of our great leading men of the last twenty years. And yeah, I mean, he he deserves. He deserves recognition in, in that category in particular. I would agree with you. Coming down towards the end here, we had Bryce Dallas Howard. She had uh, the unenviable task of following that up to uh, mention again Feeding America. And then she presented Best Director, also making note that it featured three women nominated for the first time ever at the Globes in the category. Chloe Zhao uh, wins, of course, for Nomadland. And a, uh, a hell of a... a, a, a fa- again... She knows exactly how to deliver a speech that quick and that pays homage to everybody and efficiency for someone who edited that movie so well. She's the editor and the director for someone who, you know, uh, just I, I, I can't get over the, the poise and the delivery. And here I am stumbling over my words. I get an hour to say what I need to say. <laughs> hour plus, hour and a half. And Mike wants to kill me for over talking. And, and here she is, you know, like 30 seconds, nailing it. All true facts. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I kid. Uh, San- no, you t- no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra O oh presented Paul Strings' Best Picture Comedy and Musical with a bit about a brontosaurus going on a sled behind her. I yeah. don't know. It made me chuckle. Barb and Star <laughs> right. from Vista Del Mar, or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that movie is. <laughs> we haven't watched it yet. I, well, no. yeah, this is us being old and not jumping on the hype trade. I want to see it. I legitimately want to see it. And a lot of people love it. And it's it's like that Catherine Hahn thing going on right now. This yes. is the movie of, of the moment, really, over the last few weeks. So people love it. And they presented Best Picture, musical or comedy. Borat 2 ended up winning. And Sasha Baron Cohen gave a very funny speech, I thought. <laughs> it's so great. How it's tough yes. to not be good when you have such a hysterical co-star. Of course, I'm talking about Rudy Giuliani. Uh, he really just took some shots, which I appreciate. He wrote the hell out of that speech as yeah. well. Just nailed it. And it was funny. And, it, and yeah, no, he took a shot at the Hollywood Foreign Press there. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it really worked. And again, you know, Barb and Star with Borat. I mean, they're just putting these these pairings together. It really works. And I guess we got to watch Bar- Barb and Star. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you come away from award show liking the winners more than you did previously and you yes. and you wonder why I'm rewatching Chicago 7 for the sixth time instead <laughs> of watching Barb and Star and why I haven't rewatched Borat 2 yet and yeah I mean you come away with these things after an award show like this it works the award season works folks eureka <laughs> We go right back to Sasha Baron Cohen as Aquafina presented him with best actor in a musical or a comedy for his role in Borat 2 yeah, probably Aquafina. the right pick right 
well, we we had him, and yeah, it was probably the right pick there. I mean, it's again yeah, that role in particular is such a high degree of difficulty, and I, I can't I can't get mad at them for Borat two, even though I think Borat two kind of hit as much as it missed in that yeah, movie in particular. We both said as much B minus grade for us on the year. You know, again, backhanded every compliment. I just if I can get that shoulder warmed up i will backhand compliment all the winners and yeah no i'm for i'm i am fully full range of motion in that shoulder right now you just gotta yep. start grunting after everyone you deliver like you're actually on a tennis court like a tennis court yeah like a whatever yeah. well the night finished up with the two uh we touched on andre day big shock as joaquin phoenix presented best actress drama andre day for the billy holiday movie she wins that and then michael douglas and Catherine zeta jones presented best picture drama and nomadland ended up winning and ending the night well, I mean, we're going to talk about Nomadland for the next few months, and this is probably why we didn't do the 20-minute segment after our rewatch of Nomadland, and we'll kind of rest on our laurels yeah, of it's our gonna episode. Yeah, going to be a big player. Yeah, but I mean, we're going to keep talking about Nomadland, but this is big for Nomadland. This is Nomadland winning something we and film Twitter did not necessarily, again, I know some people picked it, but the momentum overall at Vegas... Uh, in Vegas and, and, and elsewhere was saying the trial of the Chicago seven was going to win. Even the who will win, who should win. Mm-hmm. A lot of those uh, articles the day of were like, well, no man land should win, but trial of the Chicago seven will win. Here is no man land winning somewhere. It wasn't supposed to. And now you would expect no man land to win at the critics choice Awards. So no man land having a big two weeks yeah. after having a big few months. So no man land has not been knocked off yet. Michael, at any one of these big hallmarks yet. It was a double winner at the Gotham's. It is now one at the Golden Globes where we didn't think the HFPA would recognize, you know, old people going living in vans. I mean, I know they, they live in <laughs> French McDonald's, but Christ, I mean, we didn't think they would go here with no. this, and they did. No, and uh, last year I did power rankings. I'm going to do them again this year if I if I can uh, get my stuff together. But uh, I did power rankings after the Critics' Choice, and as we got closer and closer to the Oscars with the Best Picture category, once the noms were finally released, I, it's tough to say Nomadland's not number one right now. Uh, I, right. I don't know why anyone would have anything over it because, like you say, and I think that's what's most important. This is a surprise win. I think the Critics' Choice might be more of a given for it. I think it should, it's expected to win Best Picture at the Critics' Choice. So to have those two going into nominations, Oscars nominations eventually with, uh, those are going to be, I think it's the top of the mountain. I think it's the final boss right now in the Best Picture yet, category. And yet the curveballs that are going to get thrown into award season are the fact that it really couldn't have been eligible at SAG because a lot of the right. actual nomads in the movie are not SAG eligible. So the, the ensemble award was awkward. So it didn't get ensemble, even though we loved that five. It couldn't get ensemble. I mean, we've, we've read a lot of things after the fact about Nomadland and the Screen Actors Guild. And then the Writers Guild of America, where it wasn't, nec- it wasn't eligible. So this is a fascinating... It's going to be a fascinating gap in awards season where Nomadland has this built-in lapse in its resume. So we're going to see how that plays out. We're going to see this stretched-out awards calendar. We're going to see this stretched-out awards season. We're going to wonder, time and again, are people going to get bored of Nomadland? Mm -hmm. And everybody's going to second-guess Nomadland, and that's going to be an obvious part of the year where we do so. So, yeah, is is the boring thing going to happen and Nomadland just going to win it at the end? Maybe, but maybe it's the preferable thing for us. I mean, we've said that throughout. I mean, at least Nomadland is this movie that we understand why it wins and and we're glad for who is winning. And it's it's just this, 
it, it's still a good story. Now, is it the audacious pick at the end of the day? I don't know, but it might be one of those picks that just should have made sense all along. And I, I'm kind of leaning towards that, that Nomadland's just going to go on this almost sweep everything it can at this point. Well, I mean, I think the winners from last night are fairly obvious, biggest of which I think is Nomadland, winning director and best picture drama, obviously. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin screenplay, I think, is a big winner. Andre Day, any of the, the actress upsets had huge nights last night. As far as I want to just end on who maybe lost some momentum last night or the the, the losers of last night, Mank becomes only the fifth movie in the last 25 years to lead the Golden Globes in total movie nominations and win zero on the night. And you had that stat where like two or three of them were from the same yeah, year. Yeah, three so were in the same company. year. Yes, yeah, so yeah, it's only the third show. Yeah, right. only the third Golden Globe show where that happened in the last 25 years. Mike, are you feeling a little less confident in Promising Young Woman across the board? Oh yeah, I picked Promising Young Woman as an upset win in the film category. I suck at Best Pictures, apparently, <laughs> in the drama side of this every year. And I got the comedy or musical right fine. I'm terrible at picking Best Picture at this point, so I, I'm sure I'll pick Nomadland. And Nomadland does not want me to pick Nomadland <laughs> at this point because whatever I pick, I just suck. I it Put me in the bathroom. Look at Promising Young Woman was nominated four times on the night. We've, we've seen these offers in the past at the Golden Globes. We figured the Golden Globes were going to kind of correct from a few years ago with the fact uh, the lack of female representation and not not only in their group but in their uh in their awards uh winners in terms of these big composition categories and the all white directors uh, in the all male directors or mm-hmm. that natalie portman moment right so yeah. we had we had we had to, I, I was kind of figuring that promising young woman being such such a just strong statement strong feminist statement it was going to have it was going to have some extra momentum even though i i do genuinely believe promising young woman is one of my top three on the year and I, I'm, I'm still rooting for it i know film twitter is still rooting for it uh at large i would say it's still the film but no you're absolutely right promising young woman hammered at, at an award show where you could get the tinfoil hat on and say focus features owned by Universal, NBC Universal mm-hmm. putting on the show, all these people, you know, you wonder about their motives, who, who are they voting for? I really got cynical, and I and I said it in our predictions episodes, like I'm picking Promising Young Woman, it's the right movie for all the wrong reasons, in mm-hmm. my opinion, and uh, I, no, it didn't happen. So Promising Young Woman, uh, a big loser on the night, unfortunately. And it, it's unfortunate to say because it got over-nominated on the night, according to most pundits. And then it comes out going over, and now it's a I mean, the, this momentum swings for these shows. This happens every year. A lot of people are talking about it this morning. So this is not just me talking about it at the end of this overlong episode, Mike. This is a lot of people in the, in the punditry talking about. It goes from, you know, it goes from too much momentum to too little and it's 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 just these you know the whiplash of the yeah. of an award season always it happens uh as hammered as promising young woman was last night i uh, so was david fincher as he took a shot every time mank lost on screen th- which was but was it a shot or was it champagne like because you know oh that's i mean i don't know we'd have to send a we'll have to do a full-fledged investigation i think i mean if he had a whole flute of sh- i thought it was champagne <laughs> i didn't think he was doing like shot of he was doing like, shots of champagne you think I thought he was doing just a flute of champagne every time, which is not going to get you that. I mean, unless, no, I don't think know. it was a flute. I thought it was a shot glass I saw. Well, look, David Fincher, you're listening. Let us know. What were you People did say that? it was shots. No, I'm in the minority. 
What'd you drink? What exactly were you drinking? Yeah. Well, that's your Golden Globes 2021 recap. All the good, bad, and boy, was there some ugly. Uh, as we put that in the rearview mirror and have it set the stage for what's to come with the award season sprint, as we always do in the run-up to the Oscars here. We want to know your thoughts about the show last night. What were your biggest surprises? What were you shocked at being snubbed? And what did you want to see instead? Let us know all of that, as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all of those on our socials. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts, including and especially the Apple Podcasts app, where if you are listening to us on there right now, if you would be so kind as to tap on our cartoon faces and leave us a five-star review, that would make our entire day. Michael, tell the good people what is coming next and what are some words of wisdom to end on. Well, the words of wisdom are easy. Everything said by Jane Fonda, the beautiful speech <laughs> Amen to from that. Lear, and of course, Lee Isaac Chung, and Sasha Baron Cohen, and Sterling K. Brown, and and, and Mrs. Kalechi watching there. I, I'm just really impressed by the graciousness of an impossible situation. So many people that should be angrier, but have more class and have more charity and have, I mean, feedingamerica.org. Again, I, I just you're so impressed with uh, with that level of poise to be able to get through a situation coming off the week that the HFPA had and the mm. fact that they could have cursed, but instead they blessed us with their words. And uh, if only we we need to learn from them. <laughs> we probably yeah. didn't, but we we, we need the to Michelle learn from Obama. Them. When they go low, we go high. Yeah, right. No, they're just living it out and not making you feel like it either. It's not, you don't feel like they're taking a high road and yet they are. They're, they're living examples of it. So words <laughs> of wisdom belongs elsewhere this week. But what's coming next is I think we're going to do an Oscar race checkpoint recording Thursday for Friday with some Critics' Choice picks. We'll have a Critics' Choice segment. We don't necessarily know what we're going to do there, but we're going to have a lot of Guild Award nominations this week. Those are dropping, so that's the next big thing, Michael. Otherwise, we are going to react to the Critics' Choice Awards, which happens next Sunday. So this is an exciting part of the season for the both of us. Even though we're not together, we're still eating pizza apart. What did you eat? Last night. I ate pizza. Oh, I had a steak. I, it was a steak night last night for me. Well, that is perhaps, uh, you know, it's not something Joaquin Phoenix would approve of, but you had, <laughs> you had, you, you ate, hel- I don't know. You, yeah, I don't know about healthier. Well, <laughs> we both yeah. ate. <laughs> you didn't have as many carbs as I had. I overdid it with the carbs mm-hmm. again. Well, Why? Ben, we'll have to switch this coming Sunday. I'll have the There pizza. you go. You eat the cow. I will try and eat too much protein and things we shouldn't eat. Yes. When reality sucks, it's the sprint. Put on your running shoes with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you very soon. See you.